Hey guys, welcome to the message. I'm really excited to be able to share it with you all today. My name is Monty and we are in a series talking about love. Yes, I love this series. Normally we do it in the summertime, but you know what? We thought we'd do it during February when we have Valentine's and all kinds of good things happening. So we've talked about marriage, we've talked about sex in marriage, we've talked about relationships. And so today I wanna to talk about something else that affects how we love one another, and especially in the areas of our love relationships. Today, I wanna to talk about our temptations. Ooh. Now, I know as human beings, we all have temptations. And I've always thought to myself, well, how can I get rid of my temptations? God, take these temptations away. Have you ever had that prayer? Have you ever asked God that in your life? I know I have many, many times. And you know what? This is a big part of our lives and a big issue that I think that we need to understand and learn how can we overcome our temptations. You see, when I was about 11 years old, that was about the first time when I was exposed to pornographic material. I was just a kid. I was in the park one day, just playing by myself. And there was one of those you know, those books, those magazines in the park. And I couldn't tell from the cover what it was. And I looked inside and it was just a whole new world. And as a small kid, I was just like, what is this? And I remember actually ripping out images from that magazine and putting it in my pocket and going home. Then when I got home, I was filled with this immense sense of guilt and shame. And what are they going to do when they find out? When my parents find this, what am I going to do? I got to hide this. Where can I hide this? There's nowhere I can hide this. And so I remember then taking those, those ripped out images to the trash bin outside. I went outside to the trash bin and I threw them away and I got rid of them. But being 11 years old, it opened my eyes to something that no 11-year-old should have their eyes open to at that time. And since then, it has created a, a thing inside of me where I have struggled with pornography on and off into my adulthood, into my, you know, you know late 20s. It's been something that has been an issue, a problem for me and my life. And I want to talk to you guys about how God has helped me how God has healed me and the ways that I've been able to overcome this issue. And so I want to just bring attention to the issue of pornography, right? This is a major, if not the major issue that our society faces. You see, you might be watching this and either you're thinking, well, I don't have a problem with that. Or you're thinking, I have a problem with that <laughs> because so many people are impacted by this. And so even if you are someone that don't or currently don't have an issue with this, maybe someone nearby you, someone that you care for does have an issue with this. And so we're going to talk about this. We're going to unpack it today. And so I just want to bring to light some information about pornography. You see, in the West, uh, they call it the porn-demic. We've just had a pandemic that has kind of swept through all of our countries and cities and stuff like that. Well, this is not so different from that in that it is an issue that sweeps over every country, every nation indiscriminately. It affects men and women more and more, the statistics show. And so some statistics, this is out of America, but I do think it does represent the whole of people that are affected by this. It says 70% of men and 40% of women 
are affected by this monthly. That's every month, 70% of men have some sort of struggle with this and 40% of women have some struggle with this. This is not just for people outside of the church. This is not just for people who are single. This is an issue that impacts people who are Christians, people who are not Christians, people who are married, people who are not married. Whatever age you are, whatever stage you're in, this is a major issue that does affect many, many people. It's a billion dollar industry. And one of the biggest, largest uh, pornography sites in the world would be about, you know, the Fortune 500, you know, like the, the top 500 companies in the world or the Fortune 100, the top 100 companies on the world. Well, that, you know, those pornography sites are not listed on those company websites. But if it was, it would be about number 37 or 38 on the top 100 most profitable companies in the world. That is above FedEx. It's above Tesla. It's above Disney. It's above Goldman Sachs. This is a massive industry. It is a massive industry that is just going to keep on pumping out content and people are going to keep on stumbling into it and getting stuck in this industry. It is the fourth most accessed website in the world. Number one is Google. Number two is YouTube. Number three is Facebook. And number four is this particular pornographic website. And it has more viewership than Instagram and TikTok and Netflix and Pinterest combined. This is huge. This is a huge issue. And today, just another last stat I want to give you is that children between the age of 8 and 16, 90% have been exposed to pornographic material in their life. 90% of children age 8 to 16. I was one of them. I was 11 when I first saw it. So this is a massive issue, guys. And if you're a parent, I really want to encourage you. Let's be smart with how we use our devices. Let's be smart with the devices that we have in the house, the devices that our children might be having access to. We got to be smarter. We've got to be on top of this. And whether or not it's in your home, because my, my experience was in a park. Like sometimes the kids, the people, adults don't have to go looking for it. Sometimes it comes looking for you. So we got to be ready, we got to understand the issue, and we need to know how and what do we do when temptation comes knocking. You see, in this current era, in this current generation, my generation, millennials, the younger generation, Gen Z, there is a new mentality about pornography that it is okay, that it is normal. That this is what everyone does and it's good for society. I'm here to tell you today that the science is in, the results are in, and it is in fact very harmful to society. It is very harmful to a human being. It is harmful to our mentality, harmful to our bioscience, our biochemicals. It rewires our brains and gives us an image of what it wants us to want rather than what God has designed us to want. It is affecting so many people. It causes anxiety. It causes stress. It causes emptiness. It causes loss of identity, loss of sex drive, the loss of the ability to have an erection, to be able to have sex. It impacts deeply. It leads to addictions. It, uh, it, in many cases, there's also, especially in men, 
where there's more frustration and violent behavior is increased because of pornographic use. It kills marriages, it kills vision, it kills drive for the future, it kills the healthy desire for a good bonding relationship. This is not our friend. I want to be very clear that this issue that we face in society is an enemy. It's not our friend. And the world is trying to twist it and make it look like this stuff is okay. Netflix is trying to show you that this stuff is okay when all of a sudden you're in episode three and uh, the scene comes out of nowhere and it's like, where did that come from? You see, society is trying to push a different message, a message that is perverse, a message that is distorted. So we, as Christians, as believers, we need to understand what's going on around us. And I remember I've prayed many, many times in my life. We would have healing services and I would pray, God, take this away. God, take this temptation away. We would have camps. We'd have youth camps. And I'd be at these camps. God, take this temptation away. God, help me. I would be in my bed journaling and crying with tears in my eyes. God, why can't I overcome this? I feel like Christians, it's hard for us sometimes to talk about these issues, to talk about these topics. And so today, I want to talk about it because I was one of those people. I was someone that struggled in this very area. And so today, we're answering the question, why does God not take away my temptations? Why doesn't God take my temptations away? I've thought this many times. I've prayed this many times. And I know people watching today, I'm sure there's some of you that have thought this very thought today as well. So I want to have a look at, first of all, a scripture in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus himself, he sets the bar for kind of what is temptation. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28. But you have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the the standard is high and we all fall short. And I feel like this is part of the reason why when we pray, God, take the temptations away. It doesn't happen because if that were to happen, maybe for some people, that means God has to remove every member of the opposite gender every member of the opposite sex, for that prayer to become a reality. That's not going to happen. God is not going to work like that. We have temptations because we are human. We all have a human nature. And that human nature is intertwined with our sinful nature. You see, God is not the one that is giving us temptations. God is not the one that's like, looks like you're ready for another temptation. That's not how it works. This is what it says in James 1, 14 to 15. It says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Yes, temptations leads to death. Maybe it's not a physical death, but it's death of, like we talked about, our soul, our desire, our vision for marriage, our belief that I'm good enough, death of my identity, death of all these desires that I have that could be good, but now they've been perverted and twisted in a different way. You see, this is why God doesn't take away our temptations because it is our human nature. We can't, God can't take away our humanness. We're still human. Although we believe in God and God has done a good work in our spirit, we still need to live out this life here on earth. And so we need to understand when we have these temptations, because it's not a matter of if, it's when 
then what do we do with this? I like what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So we all have temptations. We are not our own little microcosm of temptation. We don't have special temptations. That's a lie from the devil. If you think that you're in a special situation or I'm a church leader and I have this temptation and it's just me and I'm the only one, let me tell you, friend, you are not the only one. <laughs> I was one of them too. I know many people that have been that. It is common to mankind and womankind as well. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Not escape it, endure it. God will provide us a way to not fall into temptation. So there will be temptation, but God is good. God is a good and faithful and loving Father. And He wants what's good for His children. And He has provided us ways and tools to be able to overcome our temptations. This should be an encouragement to all of us. And for those of you who are still struggling, who are still thinking, yes, but, that word but in your head, that is not from God. That is from the devil. The devil would love nothing more than for us to believe the lie that the temptation is too great. That I am too far gone. That I will never be able to overcome this. I will never be able to tell somebody else about this. Those are lies from the devil. Let me tell you right now, that is not the voice of God. That is not the will of God. The will of God is that we would be able to overcome. So the question is how? And that's what I want to talk about today. You see, there's a young man in the Bible that went through a very interesting experience. And I want to take notes from how he was able to overcome his situation in the Bible. Some of you know this man's name. His name is Joseph. Joseph goes on to be an incredible figure in the Bible. He does amazing things. He saves an entire nation by the end of his life. He does some incredible things. And there's a very key moment in his life where he had to make strong and good decisions. You see, Joseph was a bit of the favorite child and he had many other brothers. He had 10 other brothers and they did not like him because he was the favorite child. And so they thought, we're going to get rid of him. And so they sold him into slavery. And so he ends up at this man named Potiphar. He ends up being a servant in this man's house. Now, Joseph, he's a hardworking guy. He's a faithful guy. And so everything he touches seemed to turn to gold. Seemed like everything he did was successful. So Potiphar's like, you are number two. You are going to take care of everything in my house. I'm not going to worry about a thing because I know that Joseph has got it. But then an issue arises in Joseph's life. So let's check out this story in Genesis 39, verse 6 to 12. It says, Joseph was a handsome and well-built young man. <laughs> it's a great way to start a story. <laughs> this man is very handsome, he's very good looking. He's very successful. He's very diligent. This is an attractive person, right? And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Ooh, come and sleep with me. She demanded. Now, this is the boss's wife, okay? She's used to getting her way. And this is a very rich and powerful man. So 
That probably means that Potiphar's wife is maybe, if we look at it objectively speaking, physically speaking, she's probably an attractive woman. And she's telling this young boy to come and sleep with her. Pretty messed up. But Joseph refused. I love it. I love that line. Three words. But Joseph refused. <laughs> Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. He doesn't say it's a great sin against you. It's a great sin against me. It's a great sin against God. Joseph understood the gravity, the impact of what this action would have. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Now that's a key right there. He kept out of her way. He understood the temptation. He knew where the temptation was going to be. And he kept out of her way. He kept out of temptation's way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he came in to do his work. And she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands as he ran from the house. So this woman lays hands on this man and grabs him. She is so thirsty that she's going to try and drag this guy to bed. And Joseph rips himself away from her and runs. She's left with his tunic, with his cloak, and she's like, uh-oh, what am I going to do about this? And so she screams and she yells and she's like, ah! And so all the guards come running and they're like, what happened? And she's like, this man tried to come on to me. He tried to, you know, take advantage of me. And so they're all looking for Joseph, the husband, Potiphar. He comes home. She tells him her version of the story. Joseph tries to appeal to Potiphar like, look, man, I didn't want to do any of this. And unfortunately, Joseph is thrown into prison because of this action. It wasn't his fault. He did the right thing. And yet, he ended up in not a great situation because of it. However, if you know the story, a few years later, Joseph gets out of prison. He is raised to a high position, second in command in the entire nation of Egypt. And he's able to bless and help a lot of people. You see, Joseph had a plan. Joseph was smart. He understood the situation. He understood the temptation. And he understood that he had to do something about it. Because if he was just going to go about his daily life and just do the things that he's used to doing, then this woman is going to come and find him. Temptation is going to come and find him. He had a plan. What do I do when temptation comes? And so today, I want to talk about some practical things with us all. When temptation comes, what do we do? How can we overcome temptation? Number one, we need to have a plan. All right? Joseph had a plan. And so when temptation comes knocking, what, 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 is, what is your plan? What are you going to, to do about it? Because maybe getting on your computer or getting on Instagram at 12 o'clock at night after having a really long and tiring day at work and you get home and you get on these devices and you have no barriers, no ad blockers, nothing to protect you. Do you know what that's called? It's called a bad plan. <laughs> That's not a good plan because that is just one click away from falling into temptation. Joseph, he had a plan. He knew his day. He knew his routine. He knew where she was going to be at what time of the day and he knew how to avoid it. So I love what Joseph did. He, he ran. He ran. 
Now that doesn't really sound like the most like, oh, like manly, macho type of thing to do. We're supposed to be Christians and we praise the Lord and we have faith in God. Like, no, no, no. This is the one place in the Bible where we are commanded to run. Every other thing, we talk about fight. Fight the good fight. Fight for what is good. Fight for your faith. Fight for those people. Fight for, we got fight for this. This is the one area where we are encouraged to run. <laughs> and so this sexual sin is such a big deal that we are encouraged to run. 2 Timothy 2.22. That's a good one. 2 Tim 2.22. I like it. It's easy to remember. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run from anything that stimulates you. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Get with some good people. Get yourself around people that are going to help you and cover you and be able to talk about these issues. You need to talk about it. But this says, run from the things that stimulate you. Whoa, gee, I wonder what stimulates us these days. Computer and iPhone. That's what stimulates us these days. <laughs> it's too easy. Too easy to, to fall into the trap. We've got to be smarter than that. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. It says, flee. Another one. Run, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Yes, we were bought at a price. And that price tag was Jesus. See, Jesus bought us with his life. Jesus went to the cross to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could go to heaven, so that we could have a rich and life and life to the full. That means a life overcoming temptation. Jesus didn't die for us to be stuck in temptation for the rest of our life. Jesus is more powerful than that. Jesus is stronger than our temptations. And so we need to Rely on Jesus. We need to be accountable to Him. And I think it's good that we be accountable for the things that we do with other people, right? And that might be a little bit uncomfortable to think about, something uncomfortable to talk about, but it's something that is very powerful. The power of being able to talk about our issues, about our temptations, limits the power that the devil has over us and increases the power of the Holy Spirit that we have inside of us when we believe in God. No temptation is too great. There's nothing that is uncommon to man. Remember, God is with us. He is helping us. He wants us to grow. And you might be hearing this, Christian. You might be listening to this and thinking, I understand that, and yet I still struggle. Well, let's talk about some, some practical things. Because this is where we need to really get smart. This is where the plan comes into practice. So the third thing I want to say is that we need accountability. I'm talking about it. we need accountability with God and we need accountability with man. We need accountability with someone. When I was room sharing, uh, when I was single uh, with other single guys having single guy issues, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
we got together and we were like, what can we do to help protect ourselves? What can we do to build accountability? So we made some simple rules, such as we're not going to be in our bedroom with the doors closed or locked. We're not going to have our computers in the bedrooms by ourselves. All the computers were in the common area. That we, that's where we used our computers. And we had accountability apps, applications, so that if something happened, then someone would be notified. It's pretty simple stuff. And sometimes, I don't know why, but we, we feel like shameful for putting accountability apps on our computer or on our phone. You need ad blockers, guys <laughs> and girls. We need to have these things in place. We need to put the barriers in place so that we can protect ourselves. Because you might be all right 99 out of 100 days, but it's the one day that can wreck your life. It's that one day, it's that one moment when there's no barriers and you just step into it, maybe by accident, maybe you didn't mean to, maybe you just saw something and it just one thing led to another. It's that one day that could absolutely wreck us. It's one day that could, one moment that could wreck your relationships, that could even wreck your marriage. We gotta be smart. We gotta have a plan. And a part of that plan is accountability. Today, I'm accountable to my wife. You see, I've shared everything with my wife. And just as embarrassing as that sounds, it was. It didn't feel great to be able to share all these disgusting dark secrets that I had held in my heart for many years. And I had to come clean to her. Let me tell you something. That was the best decision that I ever made. Because that did something in my heart that helped me find fresh healing, find fresh freedom. But it also helped me put a plan in place. You might be thinking, well, maybe Monty's super tempted. He's got pornography addiction and he's got problems. No, 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 no. I have a plan in place in case the one day that comes along where I'm feeling really tired, or I'm feeling bad and something accidentally pops up. I have a plan in place so that I will not stumble even when temptation comes looking for me. You see, I'm accountable to Melissa. She has my Instagram logins. She can look in my Instagram anytime she wants. If she sees something shady in my explore page, she's going to hit me up. She's going to be like, why is that on your explore page? And I'm going to be like, yes, I'm sorry. Let me get rid of that right now. And you know what you can do with the explore? You can clean that up. We can clean that up, guys. It says, I don't want to see this. <laughs> do not show me this. Guys, we, we got to be smart. Let's not be lazy with this. She can also see if I'm sliding or anyone else is sliding into my DMs, which is not happening, by the way. But if it ever did happen, I can show her and be like, hey, this, is, I, I'm, this, this has happened. You need to know. See, I'm accountable to her. I have an application also downloaded onto my phone because I find these days it's more the phone than the computer that can be the real issue. So I have an application on my phone that helps me stay protected. If something is searched, keyword or something bad is looked at, then a notification, an email goes to my accountability partner. And guess who that is? my wife. You can see how this barrier, if ever there was an issue, is going to really help me stay away from the line. Sometimes we like to dance on the line. We got to take a step back or five or 10. How many steps you need, put those steps into place. So when the temptation comes, oh, there's a fence here. Oh, I can't move from this spot. So guys, I want to encourage you, make sure you have practical things implemented in your life so that you have a plan when temptation comes. 
And that's the, first, the, the final thing I want to talk about. We need to bring this to the light. Jesus is the light. John 1.15, uh, John 1.5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus' light shines. And we need to bring these things into the light because God's light is not there to condemn us. It's there to help us. God's light is there to heal us and bring freedom and to bring forgiveness into our heart. Like I said, the moment when I was able to actually confess all of these things that I had kept in my life for so long was the moment that I have never felt such strong freedom in my life. It was like weight breaking off of my heart. I want this for all of you. I want every single person to experience what that means, what freedom truly looks like. And next week, we're going to talk more about freedom and healing. We're going to have time to pray together. But let me just wrap up with a couple more verses and we're going to pray together. Two things I believe we need for freedom. Number one, forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to confess to God. We can't hide from God. We can't run from God. We need to confess to God. We need to say, God, I did this. I'm sorry. And I know many Christians, you've already done this step. So you need to know that you are forgiven. That Christ died to forgive us our sins, to forgive us when we fall into temptation. Now, that's not a license to keep sinning because the second step is the most necessary and probably the step that many of us hasn't taken yet. And that is what we see in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I am a living testimony of this scripture. My life is great right now because I'm living in the light of God. I'm li- that doesn't mean I don't have temptation, but I have so many fences around me. I have so many great people around me and I've experienced what confessing looks like. I've experienced God's healing, forgiveness from God and healing. That is two things that we need to walk in freedom. My encouragement for you all today is that let's not listen to the lies of the devil, that you can never overcome this or that this is something that will never be done with or gone. God wants to heal you. God wants to help you today. But there are steps we have to practically take. And I want to help and pray for you to have the courage to take those steps like I have and like many people I know have taken the courage to take these steps. And guess what? Freedom tastes so good. And so I want to pray for that for you today. Shall we pray? Why don't you raise your hands with me and let's pray together. God, I thank you for everybody listening today. I thank you that you are bigger than our problems. You are bigger than our sin. You are bigger than our temptations, God. I pray that we would run to you when we're tempted, that we would run away from the temptation and towards you. And God, I pray that you would help us be bold in confessing, to be able to find someone that we can talk to, to find someone that we can confess and and experience freedom, experience healing, God. I pray for freedom and healing for every person here in Jesus' name. But I pray for the courage for them to step up and go and grab that healing for themselves. I pray, God, that you would encourage all of us, that we would be able to talk about these things, that we would be able to be open about these things. And God, that you would do a fresh work in our hearts so that we would just be so on fire, so focused, so able to do everything that you're calling us to do, God. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.
And lastly, I want to pray for anyone who has not yet made a decision to believe in Jesus. See, all of this is only possible with the help of Jesus. I can't overcome my temptation without God. And that's why Christ died for us. So that we can be victorious in Him. Jesus died for us. He rose again. And He wants a relationship with you today. He wants to help you today. So on the count of three, I'm going to say now. And when I say now, I'm going to ask you to either just make a decision in your heart or raise your hand if you're in a location. And we're going to pray together. Are you ready? If you want to believe in Jesus, we'll come back to Him. Three, two, one, now. Why don't you make that decision? Fantastic. Can I pray for you guys really quick? God, I thank you for these amazing people making this decision. I pray you come into their life right now in a powerful way. I pray that you would wash them clean, as white as snow, that all of their sins, all of their mistakes are gone. They are deleted. And right now, God, I pray you fill them with your love and your healing and a hope and a vision for the future. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, I hope that was good for you guys today. I'm praying for you all. Please make sure you come back next week because we're going to talk more about freedom and healing and how to experience it. We're going to pray more for you guys. It's going to be a powerful time. So we'll see you next week. Bye.